Welcome to the All Things Physical Therapy Podcast. This is your host, DPT Steph, your doctor of physical therapy, bringing you all things PT with an interdisciplinary approach so that you can be the best clinician that you want to be. Thank you for tuning in to the All Things Physical Therapy Podcast. This is Stephanie, your doctor of physical therapy, otherwise known as DPT Steph. On this episode, we'll be talking with physical therapist Danny Shapiro, otherwise known as the Muscle Whisperer. I'm so excited to have Danny on today. To get us started, why don't you give us a little introduction about yourself? Sure. I just want to say that it's a pleasure to speak with you today, and uh, we're going to dive into some crazy things. Prior to becoming a physical therapist, I was a professionally trained ballroom dancer of 15 years. I've been competing all over the world since the age of 10. I've been U.S. champion and placed very well internationally and all of those things. So movement to me has always been a very, very important thing, which is what motivated me actually to go into physical therapy. So, I mean, I saw my fellow competitors getting injured right and left. Unlike all the other professional sports, I mean, it doesn't matter how professional you get and how high you get in the dancing world, there's no medical team, like none. <laughs> so to me, it was like, that's kind of what motivated me to go into physical therapy, to see how it can provide an answer and a solution to my fellow competitors and colleagues in the dance world. So that's uh, kind of what kicked off my PT journey. And to make matters even more interesting, right, because, uh, you know, we can't have life be too boring, <laughs> I decided to take my education to the Netherlands, where I was there for four years, and got my degree from there. Now, what was really cool that I found in the European system is that they give you a lot of really awesome like opportunities to work in the field, aside from your uh, typical rotations, of which I believe mine were a little bit longer than what they do in the U.S. One was 10 weeks, one was 15 weeks, and another one was 20 weeks. Wow. So quite like that was the average rotation. And then on top of that, I also did about three and a half years of uh, physical therapy for a rugby team that I traveled all around the Netherlands with. And then a year and a half into my PT journey there of my education, I was actually the sole physical therapist and had my own team that I traveled around with just only being in school for a year and a half. You know, once I finished over there, I came back here to home base New York <laughs> and um, opened up my own practice. Nice. And your home practice being Project Physical Therapy, right? Yep. So exactly. tell us a little bit about Project PT. When did you start it? How did you know you wanted to start your own practice? Sure. So I always knew I wanted to run my own shop. I don't do well with people telling me what to do, especially when what they tell me to do is not the right thing to do. I really believe in self-autonomy and, you know, ultimately trying to make the best choice that as I see fit, not because of some higher up. I really can't stand that. Yeah, ever since I was a little kid, I couldn't stand being told what to do, even though I knew <laughs> this, what I was being told to do was complete utter garbage uh, and nonsense. <laughs> but to answer the question of when, so th that's really uh, quite an interesting thing. So I opened up two months before COVID hit. So I opened up in January, COVID hit mid-March, end of March, which was a very scary time. Now, to make matters even more interesting, I opened a project physical therapy with the hopes of serving patients with a different level of care than they're used to. Everything is one-on-one, -on -one, and one-on-one -on -one is not a little manual therapy for 30 minutes, and then you hand it off to an aide, assistant, or just between like two or three PTs at the office. No, no, it was literally one-on-one. -on -one. So an appointment is typically around 50 to 55 minutes. They don't leave my site at all. Everything is very, very customized, very tailored to the person, and like really super specific. And I've helped people who are paying for two weeks as much as 20, 30 plus years uh, and provided an actual solution. And the project physical therapy, the way it's run is it's actually a cash-based clinic. So I don't work with any insurance policies, which also gives me the freedom 
uh, to treat how I need to treat. So if I think a plan of care needs to be 14 sessions, I'm not fighting the 14 sessions. Like that, that, that's what it is. And it's a beautiful journey. Like there's no messing with the insurance companies and, and it's a really nice, beautiful process and experience uh, for the patient. So God, there's so much to say. That's just the- um, We're just starting just out. We'll get, we'll get yeah. on to it, I'm sure. Now you, you said you've always knew you don't want to listen to other people. You don't, you want to have no barriers with insurance or things like that. So yeah. what kind of initiated, I know you, you made the joke from childhood, you never even wanted to be told what to do, but it just in your PT experience, what kind of initiated that way of thinking when it was, whether it was experience you had overseas or here in America, what kind of framed that ideology, I guess? You know, I really love people and it's maybe a weird thing to say with no context, but I I love people and I love helping people, love making people smile and laugh. And I've always been one to treat the other person in front of me to the utmost respect, to, you know, laugh with them, connect with them. And it's always something which I loved, which is why actually in part also why I chose physical therapy because of the medical professions, I found that physical therapy was one of those that was really a, a beautiful chance to connect with someone, right? We can have an actual conversation at countdown five, four, three, two, one, and operate, right? So I really love people. And again, that desire to open up shop, to not want to listen to someone else when it comes to treatment of others uh, is because my treatment to others is very particular. It's free-flowing. It's, I really try to connect and I really try to be there for the person in front of me. And I can't do that when someone's telling me to hop between three, four, or five patients at a time. That doesn't work, right? Right. There's such deep conversations. I have people break down on my table, right? I have people go to tears, both from frustration of what they've been through, as well as joy when we make success. Yeah. So just that love and just wanting to connect with the person from me really, really motivated me to open up my own shop to, to do this kind of system. You know, on one hand, is it inconvenient because it's a cash-based practice? Yes. I understand that. But on the other hand, you get so much more. It's not just physical therapy. It's an experience where the person feels comfortable. Their needs are being met. They feel heard. They feel for once like there is actually hope, especially for those people who've been in pain for 10, 15, 20 plus years who had no solutions, who've gone year after year for their uh, cortisone shots or popping those Advils on a daily basis. I mean, I have stories for days Mm -hmm. about these kinds of individuals who are no longer in need of medication, who are no longer in need of these shots, who are no longer in need of Band-Aid effects, can live their life, which is yeah. so amazing. What would you say your average day-to-day looks like? Because not only are you seeing patients, but you're also the owner. So paint us a picture. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll paint you a mural. <laughs> <laughs> so as a provider, I mean, I, I handle the provider part, but there's so much that goes on behind the scenes between marketing between advertising between social media right i'm on tiktok and instagram tiktok is even the bigger following than on instagram and do so you like sleep i platforms. think is the better question oh yeah that's a good one um no well, it's been tough uh as a fellow entrepreneur I'm, I'm sure you know and i mean working in acute care that's very strenuous work but i love yeah, when sleep. people make the joke and they're like i didn't want to work nine to five so i now work 24 7 as a right. business owner Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's really something. And actually, you know, uh, I was actually just talking about this on social media the other day. The stories is uh, I've, I'm now trying to set monthly goals. So to help kind of keep control of life and work. Uh, it's like last month's goal was I need to get sleep up. 
right? Because I'll sleep in like four or five hours a day, and that is not good. Uh, I can't be my best self if I'm getting that little sleep. So like last month, I was able to increase it to like six, seven, sometimes eight, but six, seven is already like huge. So I've definitely been trying to do that, and a lot of mental health stuff as well, because again, it's um, between the hardships of like the stuff that goes on in the office. I mean, again, just putting up hours to handle everything else have been really rough. Uh, luckily, I do have a business partner, so that's amazing, and we handle the two sides of the same coin, so it's, it's a lot easier that way, but there's just so much. Big picture stuff, little picture stuff, like everything is just, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. But it's what amazing. Would, how many patients, yeah, I'm sure it's rewarding, uh, in, yeah. the, in the big picture, how many patients do you typically see a day? Not more than eight or nine, which is I find beautiful, right? Because again, like office hours are typically nine to six, right? With with one hour for lunch, right? Because I, I really take like emphasis on, I don't want my PTs, I don't want my front desk to like 20 minute lunch, back to work. No, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty chill boss. I'm a pretty fun guy. It's pretty fun. You know, Darren, right? So I'm sure he, he told you a couple of things, but I try to make like office life a lot of fun. I try to blur the lines of the boss to employee like relationship, you know, because I at the end of the day we're all people, right? It doesn't matter how big I am, doesn't matter how famous or how not famous, none of that matters. We're all people at the end of the day, and I try to treat my staff that way, right? So like if I see my staff working into lunch, I'm like, you, you drop that, you get out of here, get go, <laughs> you know, uh, because I want people to be able to relax and I want that relationship to be good. One of the things that I went through, and this actually, I haven't spoken about this too much, but one of my rotations that I went through was really bad. It actually almost stopped me from being a PT. Not stopped me, but it almost made me want to quit. And this was the worst, the worst experience I've probably ever had in my life, considering I've had very professional ties and relationships with when I was in the dancing community. And like, there's a very big hierarchy over there. This was even worse. This was this literally almost made me stop wanting to be a PT. There was such a bad relationship between me and my CI. It was completely, not even borderline, it was completely toxic. Mm. And once I experienced that, and thankfully I just pushed through it as much as I could, I made it my mission and my goal that no matter what happens, I will never treat my staff or students that I will have in the future like that. Everyone yeah. needs to be treated with respect love care it's a growing community we all uh what is it all ships rise together right it's that kind of mentality and again i don't care if you're a student i don't care if you're an employee you're gonna be treated with love support care and and the way you need to be treated yeah i think that's so important and i like that you you said it almost stopped you from being a pt but here you are still today and i think that's important to note because i'm sure you weren't the first and you're not the last of students who may have unfortunately bad experiences as you know when they're in their rotations but it's so important to recognize what you can take from the situation and use that to your advantage and like okay now I know what not to do or how not to treat for my patients in the future and I always say that there's no bad experience because all experience is good experience you can learn from everything and I think it's so important to note that exactly how you said it. I could have definitely gone without that experience, but yeah, yes. that was an experience. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, and, and that just reinforced all of my prior and current beliefs. I mean, that that was terrible. Uh, but you but, live you know, to tell the tale. I live to tell the tale, <laughs> and uh, we, we continue to push onward. So. Yeah. 
what would you say your uh-huh. your average patient or your, your patient population is that you primarily work with? Oh, God, it is whew, such a mix. I mean, I, I work with people who are as young as 16, uh, sometimes even a little bit younger, but they're kind of more of an outlier to uh, as young as 50 or 60. Uh, ages doesn't mean anything to me because it's, it's in your mind, right? How are there 70 or 80 year old gymnasts, right? It, age is nothing. And all, all the people that I work with typically have a desire to stay moving or get moving, which is kind of like who I cater to the most, like people who are not satisfied with just sitting. All my patients want to move, dance, play basketball, go to the gym, walk with their kids, lift their kids. They all want to stay and maintain some some form of active lifestyle and try to push it to the maximum, which is great because through training, I am a sports PT, right? But I can apply these sports principles even to people who are your average weekend warrior or just, again, people who want to like run after their kids, which is so important, mm-hmm. right? When we talk about ADLs, right? ADLs is, you know, part of quality of life. We need to make sure that people can participate in those activities and that will enhance the quality of life. But uh, a lot of people, when they come to me, have, you know, depression and are really, really down and just yeah. giving them that hope and returning them back to what they want to do. That's, that's huge for them. But yeah, that's, that's typically kind of very wide range, again, all different kinds of backgrounds and so much fun in here. But I think it's, it's great to note that too, because so many students that at least I've spoken to over the years, they're like, oh, if I do cash base, I have to do like sports PT or I have to do, you know, uh, athletes or anything like that. I'm like, no, you can do cash-based insurance or not insurance, but still see a wide range of patients. Cause there are people who, you know, will kind of want to pay for those services because like you said, they just want to get back to moving or even if that's chasing after their kids, that's, that's what's meaningful to them. So as long as you can find the connection of what's meaningful to your patient, I think that's, what's going to sell your services. It doesn't have to be something that you know, going back to a golf swing, it's getting people pain-free and living better or living with a better quality of life. Exactly. And again, like you said, that can be, that could be anything. And, you know, what I find PTs kind of, when they approach care, especially within a cash-based setting, they think about themselves, like, what can I do? Hmm, what do I think? It's not about us. It's about the person in front of you. When you focus on the person in front of you, their goals, the real goals, right? Not just, I want to get stronger. Well, okay, you want to get stronger. Why? What does that mean to you, right? If you were pain-free and as strong as you could be, what would you, like, and you woke up like that tomorrow, what would you do? What would your day look like, right? It's really being able to identify the actual person in front of you. It's like, we, we all have desires and goals, right? Uh, you, you have desires and goals. You have things that you want to accomplish. I have things that I want to accomplish. But if we can't accomplish those things, that's shattering, right? And we need someone who can understand what we need and what we want, right? Same as the person who comes to us in front of us. We need to understand what does this person want to achieve actually? Yep. You know, then, then, it's, then it's not even selling. Then it's just a conversation that turns into what can do this. Yep. Right? I think that's the one thing too that, you know, acute care has helped remind me of too, because you think so much, sometimes as a student, I know I was often overwhelmed in outpatient settings where you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, this person has shoulder pain. Well, let me focus everything on their shoulder pain instead of focusing on their goal of what they actually want to get back to. Because if you took their goal, literally, like we do in acute care, their goal is to walk home or get home or do whatever they can at home. 
you take that gold, you just break it down. So example, they need to get out of bed. Well, you can work on rolling. You can work on like different core phases of the movement. You can work on sit to stands. How can you break that down? So it's the same thing when you take somebody's goal of running after their kid, picking up their kid, what muscles and what functions are involved. And then you add in their shoulder pain. It's like, okay, now how can I modify this? So I think it's it's a huge big picture that I think is so often lost because we get so muddled in our brains about pain or about whatever the person's complaining about. But we, you know, you have to really take that holistic approach. And fortunately, you know, in the setting that you're in, having that one-on-one care really helps you kind of focus on that and find that and listen to the person because there are settings where you don't have more than 10, 20 minutes with a patient if it's one-on-one, if that. So you often get lost in translation. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the awesome part. That's why I, I love what I do, uh, not just as a PT, but like in this setting, in this cash-based, awesome ortho setting, because this gives me the opportunity to really dive into those things. I know my patients front, side, and backwards. Like I, I know what they want. And they, they, yeah, it's, I can, I can literally talk about this all day. It, it is so, so amazing. Most, I would say like around 95% of all my patients have been to other physical therapists. Where I had one girl who, who was uh, with 10 different providers, 10. Oh. I was the 11th, right? That's a lot. A lot of times when I, when I speak to PTs or when I speak to audiences, like I, I mentioned this particular patient because that's crazy. That's insane. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, first of all, it's insane that she had to do that, but it's also insane that she actually continued to push on, try the next one, try the next one, try the next one. A lot of times yeah. people stop at like number two, three, maybe four. Yeah. Right. It also just shows how much our patients have to advocate for themselves sometimes. And yes. Yes. as great as that is, we shouldn't have to have the patient you know, run rampant through Google to try to figure out what's going on with them because a practitioner isn't actually providing them with a solution that's helpful to them. And then they have to keep running and running and running to find someone that's willing to help them. But I think, you know, that's something, I mean, we all kind of know this, but our healthcare system is very broken, very, very broken. Yeah. Unfortunately, it is. The insurance companies are only paying less and they're keeping more to themselves. Uh, providers, like th- this is like actually one of the things I was going to say next. A lot of times it's not the provider's fault, right? A lot of times, especially in a, in a hospital setting, especially in a um, kind of like the a corporate, even if it's an outpatient uh, ortho setting, but it's a corporate ortho, ortho setting, right? I don't know if I should throw any names out, but uh, <laughs> we'll keep it. We'll keep that out. Uh, Anything that has a large bunch of locations. Right. (laughs) Anything has a large bunch of locations. It becomes less about the care and more about the dollar sign, right? So when someone walks through the door, they're a dollar sign. So they think about, okay, how can we maximize the dollar sign? Again, insurance is paying less. What do we got to do? From the business side, I get that. From a human side, I don't get that. Like that does not make sense. And it's not, it's not good. Like it's a mixture of greed and just, again, the system is broken. Another reason why I refuse refuse to submit to that and i've worked in these settings and i hated it right hated it atrocious and it's it's, it also brings to light too it's you know where you're in brooklyn you know being out in the new york city surrounding suburban areas 
it's high population and it needs to be high volume in order to pay the rent of some of these locations, which I get. And it's like, you know, then you have to think of outside of your bubble too. Like if you go to somewhere in the Midwest where it's maybe completely rural and you have one PT office in a 30 to 50 mile radius, you might have to be stuck as a clinician taking insurance because you know maybe the cost of living is a lot lower and people can really only afford their deductibles or co-pays and you know how can you as a clinician then hold yourself responsible to still treat the patient and not the number or the pain you have in front of you and I think it's so important that's a conversation that obviously like can be taken on and on forever but it's like not just in the PT world I was actually talking to you know, a friend the other day who's a a nurse and their family member is a PA. And we were all having this back and forth conversation of how one's in a hospital, one's in a urgent care, one's in an emergency department. And we're all getting numbers spewed down our backs or having to rush discharges or having to count beds in the unit um, and things like that. So the entire system, unfortunately, is not geared towards patient care. And it's broken because you think, we've all gone into these healthcare professions to help people and it's kind of getting very muddled by all of the excuse my french bs (laughs) that's surrounding it and you know kind of in these more corporate structures it's unfortunately i feel like a cycle and i don't want to be like super pessimistic about it but i don't think it's ever going to change because it's just so far broken at this point but i mean I try to be optimistic. <laughs> right. I mean, we should all try to be optimistic. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe maybe one day it will change. Uh, time will tell, right? But in the meantime, until that does change, until insurance companies do become less greedy. Like, it was, listen, my father, he's a podiatrist, right? He told me as the years have gone on for procedures that insurance used to pay X amount, they now pay much less. And every couple of years, it just gets less and less and less. And how, why, right? And again, it's it is a kind of never-ending cycle of okay. Well, I guess we need more patients, and again, again, quality goes down. But this is exactly why people should not be afraid to number one, open up cash clinics, and number two, even in these little short periods, like we still need to look at the person, right? If you're in a setting that is all about the money, and you have still 15 minutes to see a patient, you better make that 15 minutes count at the most. And I know it's hard. It's a lot harder to say than to do, right? There is burnout. And when you see 20, 30 patients a day, I mean, compared to my eight to nine, mm-hmm. okay, 10 if, or 11 if someone decides to do a half hour session. Okay. Like, but those numbers don't compare. Right. Someone told me, uh, I'm not gonna, again, I'm not going to say any names. There was a PT that had to fill 60 hours in a week. Well, again, I don't want to curse here, but <laughs> WTF, mate. Uh, what? It's a lot. What? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I work 60 hours a week when you, when I combine my patient care as well as all the stuff I do for my business. Right. Like, that's with social media, with editing, with filming. Like, yeah. With media, like, that's, that's crazy. And then you have to do the documentation after that as well. <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> what? <laughs> it adds up. And then you also think of it, too, like, if you're in one of those settings where it's more insurance-based or number-based, you know, you think of too the more hours you put in after you're supposed to the clock out so say your patient care is done at six and you're still typing away at notes at eight the more hours you work the less your hourly pay becomes 
as if you're not being paid extra. So think of the salary that you took when you were a new grad. If say you got $70,000, which is terrible, please don't take $70,000 if you're listening. <laughs> you got $70,000 for 40 hours or supposed 40 hours a week, but now you're spending an extra two, three hours outside of those scheduled hours every single day. Divide that by your weekly salary. You are making pennies, my friend. So, you know, think of your quality of life. Think of the quality of life you want your patients to have. And again, we can circle the drain around this forever, but it's, yeah. <laughs> we, we, are, we talk about these things, we have these, these discussions because we don't want the future of the profession to continue in a downward spiral. We want to show our patients how much we are able to provide them with the skills that we have um, and yeah. not do it in such a barriered way. I don't even know if that was English, that word, but... <laughs> <laughs> but yes <laughs> exactly but yes but yes. yes so we met through social media you're blowing up on tiktok with these dances now we have if you guys have not seen danny's recent videos we're talking right now in the beginning of november but if you have not seen his videos when you're by the time you're listening to this he now has a suit of muscles and it is the most insane thing ever <laughs> but i love every part of it because you combine that with his ballroom dancing moves and it's just another level so what would you say is what was your idea starting on social media um and where do you see like your pages going forward <laughs> so each time i do one of these things it comes from a screw it kind of moment if you scroll back far enough you'll see where like i'm posting videos but i'm not like it's me talking and explaining things you know pretty standard it's nothing out of the ordinary in terms of a pt page I started dancing in my social media as a screw it moment. I was listening to a song and like on my, on the Alexa uh, dot thing, whatever it was, the music I listened to was super important to me as a dancer. So I started listening to this song. It was a great song. It was uh, by Santana and it was a beautiful, beautiful song. And I started moving and dancing. And then actually I was filming a video and I was like, no, let me film this stretch. Let me do a little dance in the beginning, a little dance at the end. I'm going to film it. And I'm going to see what it looks like. So I filmed it on TikTok and I'm looking at it and I was like, mm, post. <laughs> and it blew up on TikTok and on Instagram. And I just started, I just continued to do it. Why am I posting on social media? I'm posting on social media to educate and form. And what I started to find was that when you are including entertainment, right? For me, dancing is fun, right? So when I do a little samba, a little salsa or something like that in my videos, like it's a fun time for me. I'm, I'm partying in every post. But my goal was to entertain, to draw people in so they can actually look at the information, right? Every PT and their, and their mother are posting exercises and stretches, right? And people can become overwhelmed, especially if they follow a lot of PT pages, which a lot of people do. And that is also including uh, chiropractic pages and all these other medical professionals. So how can I get them to, to look into this information that they, I know they would benefit from? And I, I can't tell you the amount of direct messages and comments that I've received from people all over the world talking about how this one move changed my life. These moves were better than my PT that I've been with for three months. I'm like, well, damn, okay. Obviously this needs to continue, right? And this is why I started incorporating dancing is to hook people in to actually look at the information, actually try it, feel the benefits, and then on to the next one. Uh, and then with this muscle suit, <laughs> I was like, you know what? We need to make a change. I need an alter ego. So I created uh, Dave, the muscle man, uh, alter ego. <laughs> and 
he's going to be making appearances uh, here and there. We're, we're going to make more appearances. Uh, it's, we're going to separate that day and night kind of thing. <laughs> uh, so David the Muslim is going to be coming out uh, even today, actually. <laughs> so today, but it's again, just to get people to look and to listen and to read into the information. Like David is going to be covering other things that Danny, uh, it feels weird talking in this kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the, the multitude is going to be covering other topics as opposed to like what I'm going to be covering, um, which is more of like the exercise and stretches, right? So David's going to be exposing the medical system, for example, right? He, yeah. He's a, he's a cheeky fella. <laughs> I like <laughs> it though, but you need to have that take on it because I realized too, like there's only so much educational, you know, literature or like paragraphs written that people can consume in a day when they scroll on tiktok or instagram at the end of their own work day they don't want to start reading and consuming more they want fun and entertaining and i think that's kind of a huge thing that social media is now progressing into because of tiktok um, and reels and all of that video content but you know it's also i think we need to make note of as a profession because same thing when you're talking to a patient you don't want to be a spitting textbook textbook you want to relate it to them and make it enjoyable to them so I think what you're doing is great obviously so do a lot of other people because of the numbers that you have and which I think is awesome what would you have for tips for students who maybe want to start in the social media world whether they're about to be a new grad or they're still a student trying to figure out what niche they want or niche they want to work in. Yeah, you know, um, between the dancing, between the muscle, it really boils down to one thing. Honestly, all of it boils down to one thing. And that's being your authentic self, right? If you're your authentic self and you show that you're not afraid, you, you know, you drop your own professional quote unquote walls, right? And you show your authentic self to people. That's what really draws people in. Like, yes, the suit's fun. Yes, the dancing's fun. But I don't try to pretend like I'm higher than someone else on social media. Again, I know what I know. I don't need to prove that to anybody. Even when other PTs and Kairos drop into my DMs and start fighting with me, I just I just give them love and and you know hugs and hugging emojis. Like I, you know I, I'm not into that. But really showing to people your authentic self and not being afraid to let yourself go on social media. That is really what I would say. So. You know, to anyone who wants to start a social media page, if you want to inject your own personality into the information that you present or into the whatever post that you give out, do it. That, that's what's going to help really get people to connect with you. Again, we're all human beings. We all crave connection, you know, but that's really the way to go. Uh, Darren can tell you, like, I'm a crazy person on social media. I'm also a crazy person in real life. This is who I am. I am Danny and Dave. <laughs> Right. Whenever I approach my patient in the waiting room, I'll usually use one of the phrases I use is who's ready to party. Like I, I'm trying to that's very much into like energy. my personality. We need that yeah. energy. But I think <laughs> but it's, it's so important too, like you said, the authentic self and you don't realize it until you're on the other side when you're just strictly consuming content, but like you pick up on who's authentic or not. And if you don't right yeah. away, you eventually do. So mm-hmm. if you're planning on going on social media and you want to either, I hope it's not for the reason of strictly making a name for yourself, but if you want to mm-hmm. make a name for yourself, if you want to build community awareness, if you're working in a clinic or something like that, you need to do it authentically, not for numbers, not for clout, not for anything. If you're there for the right reasons, people know and people will gravitate towards you. I think that's such an important message. 
Yeah. And the name will build itself. The yes. name will build itself. Like, honestly, if you're, yeah, like you said, if you're concerned about building the name, it ain't going to happen. You, you can't force it. Exactly. Like, one of the people I, I loved and still love listening to is uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. And also D-Rock, who's also a friend, he actually gifted me that poster there. It's so important to be authentic. So important. And to really be yourself. And again, as long as you show that, you're going to have such amazing things come to you. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not pushing people to come into my business. I just, you know, I just, I just post, I just post, I'm just myself and people, people come in just as people come into the social media page and consume the content, just as people message you. And, and the, again, I love the messages. Oh my God. Sometimes I can't get to all of them because there's hundreds of them, but I love seeing them. And I like, this is why I do it. Yeah. I do what I do. And I show myself because of the people who are on the other end. And I love that. That's awesome. That's, that's when you know you're in it for the right reasons. Exactly that. Yeah. Any yeah. final things that you would like to wrap up and leave note for students who are trying to figure out their way as they progress through their PT journey? Don't stress about the exams. Don't stress about the minutia of school. Look at the bigger picture. Why did you choose the profession? Right? Think about your why. Right? the more you can expose yourself to the, your original why and, and not forget it, the easier everything else will be. Expose yourself to information, expose yourself to experience, be vulnerable, be open-minded and open to suggestions and open to feedback, right? Don't let ego get in the way, especially when you graduate. And you know more than you think. Also, uh, when I graduated, I thought I knew nothing. And yet shortly after I opened up my own practice and oh my God, been amazing e even with the couple thousand extra hours of experience on top of the rotations i still felt like i knew nothing but in fact you know a lot and you need to bring that out and not be afraid to speak up whether you're working for someone or you decide to open up your own place but as a student look at the bigger picture look forward to when you're out of school right doing the things that you love and helping all those people just focus on that and the rest of it whether you're in year one or or your last year Focus on, on your why, focus on the joys to come, and it's going to fly by, and it's going to be amazing. That's Mic it. drop. Mic drop. <laughs> that was awesome. All right, Danny. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people <laughs> find you if they have questions or comments or they want to reach out? Sure. So if you want to reach out on Instagram, it's official Danny Shapiro, or on TikTok, it's official Muscle Whisperer. That was, that was literally, uh, you know, people think, oh, why did you, did you give yourself that nickname? Actually, I did not. Uh, that was given to me by patients. <laughs> but no, uh, if you want to find me there, you can definitely find me there. Shoot me a DM if you have any questions. If you, you know, have any questions that w like whatsoever, uh, feel free. If you want to go on my website, it's projectphysicaltherapy.com. And you can see all the stuff that we have there. Darren's really nice headshot. <laughs> <laughs> we stand, Darren. That's great. Awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. well thank you so much for coming on it was a pleasure to have you and you guys know where to find danny if you have any questions or want to reach out thanks for coming on thank you so much Steph. it was such a pleasure thanks. thank you thank you for listening to this episode of the all things physical therapy podcast make sure to leave a review and subscribe to stay updated on new episodes you can find more episodes like these on apple podcasts and spotify and to stay up to date, follow dpt.steph on Instagram or go to www.dptsteph.com.